Amen. You can open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. We will have it on the screen as well. It's in your bulletin. Uh, But we are uh, talking today uh, from the book of Daniel. He's got the whole world in his hands. God has the whole world on his hands. We're talking today about being a servant of God, as Daniel was, over the long term, and giving him the glory. Uh, Today we finally come to Daniel in the lion's den. Uh, probably what the book of Daniel is most known for. That's why we've got the lions behind me here. Um, it's probably uh, what you've heard of when you think about Daniel, is him sitting there in the lion's den. Um, but really, if you've been with us throughout the entire sermon series up to this point, you know that it's really just one more example of God's people being faithful to him, and really, more importantly, God being sovereign and providential and faithful to his people. You know, it's one thing that's easy to miss about Daniel is that he's been serving God throughout this entire book and decades have been passing and he's serving God as a servant of the Lord faithfully through different kings, through different kingdoms even. As we said, he's probably in his 80s at this point in time. Usually when you have the kids' storybooks, what do you see? You see Daniel as this young man sitting there with all the lions surrounding him. Actually, he was an old man at this point in time surrounded by these lions as the Lord protects him. And friends, we're called to do the same, to serve God the Lord, to serve Him through the highs and the lows, (laughs) to the good times and the bad times, when the kings lift us up and when He throws us to the lions. It's always through the drab daily exercises of of, uh, our year, the mundane days and the exciting days that we're called to serve the Lord faithfully. It's like Psalm 23. Most people are familiar with Psalm 23. Uh, God gives us the good days and the bad days. He leads us to green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters. He restores our soul, right? God gives us these good, restful days. Days of plenty. Days in which we feast and we flourish. But we also say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for he is with me. He leads us in those dark valleys as well. Good and bad. And we see with Daniel is he's faithful to God through no matter what is happening in his life. And so it should be true of us that we're faithful to God always. We're a servant of God and we give him the glory. Look at me. Daniel chapter 6. Looking at the whole chapter again this morning. Let's read about Daniel and the lion's den. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction. That whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document, 
so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house, where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed, and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel, making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within thirty days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king. Or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children and their wives, and before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal, domi- my royal dominion, people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. (laughs) All right, we had a lot to cover, 28 verses this morning. Be a servant of God and give him the glory. Five points this morning. We're going to go, so we're going to go pretty quick. We usually don't have five. It's like three. Uh, As a good Baptist, you have three, right? So, but today we're going to have five. Uh, First, uh, verses one through five, a servant of God is ready for any change. A servant of God is ready for any change. Daniel now serves the Lord under a whole different kingdom. So 
something has radically changed. Before it was Babylon that took them to Babylon. And it was Babylon who ruled most of the world. And Daniel and his friends served under Babylon. Now Babylon has fallen. A new king has arisen, Darius. And this king still uses these Babylonian uh, advisors like Daniel for his own kingdom. And now Daniel has to adjust to an entirely different situation. Uh, there, he puts 120 satraps. These are sort of leaders. And then over those 120, he puts three. Uh, if you have the King James Version, they call them presidents. Three presidents over uh, the rest of them. But they're in charge now of even of the 120. Daniel is one of those three. Uh, the king sets them off so he doesn't have to suffer any loss. In other words, these are here for the benefit of the king. And uh, Daniel is a competent and able leader and he prospers the king. So Dan- the, the king likes Daniel uh, being in charge. Uh, Daniel's character and his competency stand out in an entirely new and different situation. In fact, the king plans to set Daniel above everybody. Not only one of the three, but the top man in charge of the entire kingdom. Next to the king, he would be second in command. He's flourishing in a whole new kingdom in Persia. Uh, what happens is the others become jealous of Daniel. Uh, they seek to find some type of fault in Daniel, something that he's doing wrong, that they can accuse him of, and they can't find anything. You know, he's not there helping himself to the treasury, to whatever he wants, and, and lining his pockets, getting rich. Uh, he's not there secretly conspiring to want to become king. Well, maybe if I kick out the king, they'll make me king, or none of that. He's not there committing adultery with one of the king's concubines. There's no fault that can be found with Daniel. And so they say, the only thing that we know about Daniel, the only thing that really stands out about this man, is that he is absolutely steadfast faithful to his God. And if we can find a way to manipulate that, then we got him. As we, before we move on, just think about this. Could that be said about you? <laughs> that no fault or error could be found about you, except the fact that you are completely steadfast in faith to your God. Probably not, right? It can't be said, I don't think, about me either. Uh, That's why we need grace. That's why we need Christ. (laughs) Because we're not perfect. We're far from it. Even Daniel was not perfect. But even uh, most of us fall short of even of that standard. But Daniel, notice how he adjusts to change very well here. He adjusts to change. This is a totally different situation. He's got a new king to get used to. New languages to deal with here. New customs, totally different customs for Persia. A new food, a different type of food. New clothing, they dress differently. New religions that he's surrounded with here. A totally different schedule of the day. Everything has seemed to have changed around him, but he has the same God. And that's all that makes the difference for him. Imagine the culture shock (laughs) that he he would be facing. Uh, I've dealt with culture shock. I think of uh, when I went to Nepal with uh, Paul Miller and with my son. Um, there's a lot of things that they do different there. Uh, driving is very different in Nepal than it is here. So that's the first time I've ever uh, driven uh, on the back of a, a motorcycle with no helmet um, around these busy streets of Kathmandu and, and felt like I may be meeting God early. I mean, that's how scary it gets uh, with the driving there. Electricity is different there. You have times of day in which you have electricity and times of day in which you don't have electricity. So you've you got to look at the schedule. You can only you know, charge your phone at certain times of the day and not the other stuff. The showers are different. I think it's this way in Europe too. So, but uh, the entire bathroom is a shower. So that's it. The whole bathroom. There's a shower head in the restroom. You close the door. It's got a drain in the bottom. You turn on the shower and the whole bathroom becomes your shower. Never saw that. That's not something we see in the United States. But here's one big major difference. Uh, men hold hands with men. 
in Nepal. Uh, so when people wanted to take a picture with me, a guy would walk into the picture and he would grab my hand for the picture. Uh, that was a little strange for me. I'm not used to that. And then all these you know, pictures of me holding hands with guys on the, on, all over the internet. That was a little different for me. I'm glad, though, because uh, Paul Miller warned me. He said, Rick, just so you know, uh, they, they're very touchy and feely and it's just, you know, it's just part of the culture there. Because my first trip there, I was riding in the back seat of the car with an older pastor. And uh, you know, it's hot there. I think I was wearing shorts. And he just decided to put his hand on my leg. And he left it there for the entire car ride. <laughs> so I'm glad Paul gave me a little heads up uh, that that is typical in common there. There's this culture shock. Uh, but notice how Daniel handles the change. You know, most people don't like change. But friends, when you think about it, life is all about change. Uh, without any change, there's no growth. For something to grow means it actually has to change from something it was to something new. Nothing stays the same in our world. Things are constantly changing. But for Daniel, it's not about the exterior situation that he finds himself in. It's about serving the God that he loves. And he awaits to be in his presence. Whether that's in Babylon or Persia. Are you willing to serve the Lord regardless of what changes happen? We have changes that happen all the time. We have changes that happen in our job, in our life in general, in our church. In our job, you know, when you, you go from high school to college... Things begin to, to, it's a huge change. Preparing your kids and saying, look, things aren't going to be the same. When you hit college, nobody's looking over your shoulder, making sure you're in class, making sure you're studying. Now it's all on you. They don't care whether you go to class or not. It's your money. <laughs> totally different situation. Then you graduate college and you, you start off into an, an entry-level job. Totally different than college. Now you're on your own. And then you move from place to job to job and you have to adjust to a new geographical location. Or new adjustments when it comes to IT. You know, Microsoft continues to bring out new and, and improved stuff, as does Apple, as they compete with one another. Are you willing to adjust to new technology? Now you're in a management position, and you've got to get used to being the bad guy to other people. Or then you hit retirement, and then life totally changes. And sometimes it slows down, sometimes it speeds up. I talk to retired people who say they're more busy now than they were whenever they worked. Life changes. I know as a pastor, you know, I used to be a, did two years as a youth pastor. That was one thing. Then, a, then switched to become a, an associate pastor. Totally different world. And then from that to become a lead pastor, very, very different. I mean, each step was a major change. You serve the Lord throughout it. In our life, many of us go from being single to being married. A huge life change. Being married to having kids. That was a bigger change for me. Getting married wasn't as big of a change as having a kid. That, that's when everything really began to change. Having your kids grow up and become empty nesters. You become an empty nester. Getting used to that change. Losing folks you love as they pass on. Or your own health begins to change. You know, I'm noticing that uh, with my health. I'm, I'm you know, still fairly young, but I've got to change my diet. I'm trying to eat healthier now. You know, before I could eat whatever I want. Whenever I wanted, it made no difference to my, to my health. I, my metabolism would take care of it. Not so anymore. <laughs> it takes a lot more work. I'm eating kale. Anyone here like kale? Good. Well, well I actually saw some hands go up. So I, I eat kale. I don't like kale, but it's good for you. It's really good for you, right? Change your diet. Life changes. Your church changes. Church is constantly changing as the culture is changing. Same gospel. Same God. But other things change. 
We've seen that, friends. And in many ways, we're called to be missionaries right here in our own city. How do we reach the people around us? And that sometimes means changing things, not just keeping things the same, creating our sort of our own little Christian culture here, but looking to how can we reach the city around us. There's a story of Hudson Taylor, famous missionary to China. Uh, he went with what was traditional. Uh, he would wear uh, the, the robe, the, tell me, the typical Western dress that he would wear. And he realized that he was being referred to as the black devil because of the, the overcoat that he wore. So he made a decision to make a change. He adopted the native Chinese clothes and the pigtail and the shaven forehead. And when he made those changes, the people began to start to listen to him. And so we as a church need to recognize that there's, there's a calling. It's the same gospel, same God, but we're making changes to reach our city. Our facilities changed. Our ministries have changed. Our staff has changed. But it's the same God. Daniel serves the Lord regardless of the situation he's in. A servant of God serves against opposition. Six to nine. What happens? Daniel gets some pretty serious opposition. Uh, jealousy seems to follow him wherever he goes. The other leaders conspire against Daniel. It's a pretty big group. Uh, it says all of them. I don't know if that means every one of the 120, 119 uh, satraps there and, and the prefects, all of them, but it was a huge group of people who now want to remove Daniel from leadership. They are jealous of him. They're envious of him. And the reason why they're envious is they want his job. It's not because they don't think he's competent or good for the king. It's that they want that job. <laughs> and if Daniel's in it, then it doesn't work. So they are ready to kill him to get him out of the way. Uh, they come up with this scheme, uh, this way to use this, his faith in God to, against him. They say to the king, uh, if, uh, let's make a little decree here, that, that no one can pray to anyone except to you for 30 days. Now, this whole thing could have been averted if it wasn't for the fact that Darius had an ego willing and uh, big enough to take this on. So he says, yeah, that's a great idea. Everyone can pray to me for 30 days. And he signs it without thinking much of it. And he says, if you don't, you are lion's meat. <laughs> You're dead. That's it. Uh, think about the fact that they kept a den of lions simply for the use of throwing people in it. I mean, that's a pretty scary thought just in itself there in Persia. Uh, but really, when you think about it, it's these 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 satraps who are in a sense the, the hungry lions looking to devour themselves as well for Daniel. They established a document. They have him sign it. It's not changeable. This is the law of the Medes and Persians. Make sure that Darius can't back out of it. That even the king can't back out of this law. Friends, you and I, we will always have negative people. We will always have haters. We'll always have people who oppose us. I mean, just as a human being, you're going to have negative people in your life. People who are always cynical, will always shoot down your ideas and your dreams. You're always going to have people like that. As a Christian, you're going to have even more. Because your faith is going to create additional opposition. As you stand for certain things, that's going to create some tension, some conflict with others as well. Now, I believe in the value of life from the womb to the tomb. That creates some opposition. I believe that marriage is one man and one woman. That creates some opposition. I believe that Jesus is the only Savior. And it's through faith in Him that we have eternal life. I believe in heaven and hell. Those beliefs create tension and conflict with others. And friends, not only that, it's more to it than that, even this, that God wants this opposition for us. He uses it for our good. 
He uses it to remind us that we're not in heaven yet. In heaven, we're not going to have all this opposition. But in this world, he uses it to work on our sanctification and to call us to trust him. Martin Luther said, one with God is a majority. (laughs) When you're with the Lord, that's the majority. That's the side of the majority following him. What do you do when people don't like you? I don't like when people don't like me. <laughs> I really don't. I, uh, I, I lose sleep when I think about somebody that just doesn't like me. Uh, but it's going to happen as a Christian, as a pastor, as a leader. Uh, you learn, stay positive, keep going, keep serving the Lord. Use it in your life to make you stronger as a person, to be more prayerful and faithful and enduring. You know, there's one famous politician who said, I believe in hitting back. When somebody hits you, you should hit back. I totally disagree with that. <laughs> and Jesus did too, by the way. Hitting back gets you off track. Instead, ignore that and keep going forward. Keep working, keep serving, keep ministering, keep witnessing. Why, why will I allow someone else <laughs> to determine what you do? You continue to serve the Lord even in the face of opposition. And friends, if you're one of these people who tends to be this cynical person, person who always tends to oppose, and I would just say, friends, there's no excuse for that. Uh, you're, you're called to battle against that. I could be a cynical person. I'm called to battle against that. Servant of the Lord serves against opposition. Servant of God serves God publicly and preeminently. 10 to 15. Publicly and preeminently, meaning above all other things. Daniel serves the Lord publicly and above all. What does he do when he hears about this new injunction that the king signed? That you can't pray to anybody at all except to the king. Well, he finds out about it. He goes home. The windows are open, as they always are. And he prays to God like he always does. (laughs) Three times a day. He will not be bullied into not worshiping his God. He faces Jerusalem, probably. uh, That has to do with not some superstition, but his prayer and his hope for Jerusalem to be returned to the land, which eventually the Messiah, Christ, would return, would come. Uh, And what do the others do? They pounce like lions. I mean, they're like the lions here. They're pouncing on him. They run to the king to remind the king of his injunction. Uh, Notice this story. This brings them all together. Uh, it's, it's interesting, because normally they would probably be all sniping against one another, constantly fight, infighting with each other. But a common enemy <laughs> brings them together. You know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That's kind of their mentality. They're, they're brought to agreement. It mentions agreement a number of times in this passage. Uh, evil can come together for a time. That happens for a time. And then eventually infighting hits as well. I love that in, in Lord of the Rings. Uh, you see that, right? Uh, that, that evil is able to come together out of fear of, of a powerful dark lord for a time. But what happens eventually? Evil fights evil. And they get, start battling each other. And that allows, for those who are Lord of the Rings fans, that allows Sam to enter the, the tower because they fight one another. Uh, evil can't stand together for very long. But the king hears about this. He's distressed. He likes Daniel, not only because Daniel's competent and helpful for him, uh, but he actually seems to like Daniel. And he actually spends the day trying to find a loophole. I like that about it. He's, he's trying to rescue Daniel. He's trying to deliver him. Now, what he doesn't know is that, that he can't deliver him. Only God can do that. But he's trying. He cares about Daniel. He wants Daniel to be alive. Notice Daniel's faith, though. That it's public. Uh, he's not going to, to hide out of fear. You know, he could just compromise and say, what if I just close the window this once? Or just for these next 30 days. Now, he's not opening the windows to show off. It says specifically, he does what he always does. So, in other words, he's not going to make any changes to hide his faith. 
But he's not doing it to show off either. He's in his own house at this time. He recognizes that God's law is above any earthly law. You know, we as Christians, we want to obey the law unless it conflicts with God's law. We obey the laws of the land as best we can until they conflict with God's law. Don't steal. Sure, that's great. We, we, you know, that, that actually aligns with God's law. No problem with that one. Don't preach the gospel. Sorry. <laughs> We're going to preach the gospel. We obey God over man's law. Friends, I think in our culture we see that the Christian faith is, is becoming less and less acceptable. <laughs> and there is a push to cower Christians into a private, compromised faith. You see it all over the place. You see it in politics. You see it in, in culture all the time. And by the way, this is nothing new. Uh, it's happened all over throughout the world. It's happened all throughout church history. There are times in which the culture is very open and, and um, friendly to the Christian faith. And there's times where it's very much against it. We're moving in the direction against it. What do we do? We stand firm as Daniel did. But are you public in your faith? Now, faith is, is always personal, but never private. It's, it's always something personal to you, but it's never private. It's not about showing off, but it's always open. It's not something that we hide to ourselves. Are you willing to live for Jesus in public? Are you willing to shine the light of Christ Matthew 5, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they could see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Are you willing to live for Christ in public, in front of everyone? Are you willing to speak for Jesus in public? To tell people the good news of the gospel? 1 Peter 3, in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with gentleness and respect, always ready to give an answer for what you believe. And you never know who's watching. You never know who's watching, who's listening. Could be that a Nebuchadnezzar has got a close eye on you, <laughs> or a Darius, or a next-door neighbor, or a quiet coworker, or a close friend. Are you public in your faith? He's, Daniel serves the Lord publicly and preeminently. A servant of God serves him even in trying times. Now we come to the lion's den itself. Uh, the king takes Daniel. He feels compelled by the law. He casts him into the lion's den. He covers it and he seals it. Uh, the seal, by the way, doesn't keep him from opening it. That's not the idea of the seal. Uh, he actually doesn't just seal it himself. He allows the other lords to seal it. The seal shows that nobody broke it. So that nobody during the night opened the cover and took Daniel out and then put him back in or something like that. Uh, there's no trick here. This is not a magic trick. He spent the night in there with these lions. And the king says, may your God, Daniel, whom you serve, deliver you. And the king actually fasts that day as well. Daniel spends the night in there with the lions. Lions are, are powerful creatures. The Panthera Leo. The lion's range used to span uh, throughout Eurasia. So it used to span even in the Persian area. We usually think of the African lion, but it actually did exist in Eurasia, ranging from Greece to India. Herodotus, a famous uh, ancient historian, reported lions were common in Greece back in 480. Uh, they once attacked camels of the Persian king Xerxes on his march through the country. Aristotle has them rare by 300 BC, and by 100 AD, uh, they were just about eliminated from the area. Uh, lions... Uh, are dangerous, powerful creatures. Uh, they are man-eaters at times. In fact, about seven, I read this stat, about 70 Tanzanians, 
are killed each year by lions. Did you know that? 70 people a year are killed by lions in, in uh, Tanzania. He spends the night there in the lions, uh, with the lions. The king hate, ha, runs to the den in the morning and he asks how Daniel is. Daniel answers, God sent his angel to rescue me from the mouth of the lions. God has protected me. We saw that the angel comes, or is it an angel or is it Christ, in the fire itself back in uh, earlier chapters. Here the angel comes in the lion's den as well. Daniel comes out with no harm. Just like the friends who didn't even smell like smoke. And then he takes the, those who were jealous of him and throws them in with their families. The king has no mercy on them. In many ways, this is their own doing. This is the punishment they chose for Daniel. Now they receive it themselves and they are devoured. Which shows you that these lions were hungry. It wasn't just that the lions weren't hungry, that's why they didn't eat Daniel. They were starving, but God protected them. Notice how Daniel handles this, though. Notice how he handles this trying time. He seems to be at rest about it. He, he trusts God in the den. He, he trusts God through the night. I mean, actually, you look at it, the king had a harder night than Daniel. The king fasted, the king couldn't sleep, the king didn't bring any entertainment to him, which would be very common for a king to be entertained every night, and uh, this night he didn't. He's so worried and upset about what's happening to Daniel. But Daniel seems completely at rest, without fear, in the midst of a trying time. Why? Because he knows that God created the lion. (laughs) God created it with its teeth and its fangs, its claws, its size, its strength, its speed, and Daniel knows that the lion submits to God. In fact, the lion becomes this little thing, right? (laughs) When it comes to Daniel. He serves God through this trying time. What did he do? I don't even know. What did Daniel do throughout that night? Probably prayed. (laughs) He probably did a lot of thinking. Probably marveled at the sight of the lions and what a majestic beast they are. Sat there and waited, looking at his watch. Didn't have watches back then, but you get the idea. Maybe even slept. (laughs) No, I'm kind of tired. I think I'm going to take a nap here with these lions. Without fear. Psalm 3, O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him and God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again because the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. (laughs) In the midst of this trying time, Daniel's at rest. Friends, are you serving God through those trying times? We all have them. We have them in different degrees. Someone in your family is sick. You're grieving over losing someone you love. You lost your job (laughs) and trying to figure out what's going to happen next. What do you do? You wait, you rest, you sleep in peace, knowing that God is ultimately in control. You make it through the next step. You ever heard that before? If you feel overwhelmed, what's the next thing God wants you to do? Just do that. <laughs> serve God in the next step. And then after that, serve Him in the next step after that. <laughs> do your best, with the grace of God, in the situation that He has you for right now, and do the same thing tomorrow, and the day after, the day after. We all have lions like these, those who oppose us. And actually, friends, more than that, the New Testament says we have the great evil lion. We have the one who represents Satan, that that one who looks for Christians to devour. And it's God who keeps them at bay. 
That's interesting because lions can be good and bad, right? They can be, they can be used for evil and they can be good as well. In fact, lions are a symbol of, of courage, right? Uh, we have the cowardly lion and, and the Wizard of Oz, who really isn't so cowardly by the end of the story, right? Here's Daniel. Daniel, Daniel in a sense, is the real lion here. <laughs> He's the one with the, the courage of a lion. Friends, and ultimately, we serve the Lion of Judah, a symbol of Christ who's come on our behalf. I love how C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia, he pictures Christ for kids as a lion, as Aslan, the, the king of the whole wood, right? He's the, he's the lord of all of Narnia. And what do they say about Aslan? One of the children asks, is he safe? <laughs> and uh, they respond, the people of Narnia respond, don't you hear what we're telling you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe. He's a lion. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. He's good. Friends, we serve the ultimate lion, the true lion, the lion of Judah. A servant of God gives him all the glory. 25 to 28. We serve the Lord, we give him the glory. Daniel really affected the king. The king really uh, is, takes note of what's going on here. He writes to all people in all different languages. Uh, so this is the ultimate uh, uh, Wycliffe uh, ministry here, right? Get it to all the languages you can, as far as, as, far as possible, uh, that he fears the God of Daniel. I wish he said, who has become my God now. But it doesn't quite go that far yet. Uh, but he nevertheless says, everyone should fear the God of Daniel, should revere the God of Daniel. That he is, as he describes him here, the living God. Recognizing that his own gods are what? Idols. Dead. Dumb. They don't speak. They don't do anything. But this is the living God. And his kingdom endures forever. His kingdom, his dominion is to the very end. And he has the power to deliver and to rescue. The things that the king himself couldn't do, remember? He performs signs and wonders, the miraculous. He's the one who saves Daniel then prospers with the king for years and years afterwards. Friends, give the glory where it's due. Give the glory where it's due. Stop and give thanks. Praise God. Remember all that he's done, especially in Jesus, our Savior, as Christians. Remember what Christ has done for us and be grateful and bring him praise. Every good gift comes from him. Life and breath and everything else belongs to him. We exist because of him. We're not eternal. We're all temporary creatures. But in God and connected to God by faith, we're carried into eternity with Him, friends. We're saved, not just from the lions, but from our sin for eternity with Him. Notice that Daniel's trust spreads. It's not just him that trusts. Now it's the king who's been affected. His praising, his serving the Lord has now affected somebody else. Now Darius, the king, is trying to do so as well. It's affected him. Keep serving the Lord. Keep praising Him. (laughs) Ups and downs. Mundane days and exciting days. Keep gathering for worship with His people. Keep worshiping on your own. Keep being a grateful person. This is uh, the month of Thanksgiving now. So what a good reminder to us to be grateful to God. You know, gratitude is just good for us. It's good for us all over, by the way. Researchers have actually found that people who express gratitude on a regular basis are healthier, more optimistic, make more progress toward their goals, have a greater sense of well-being, and are more helpful to others. (laughs) So it's actually good for you, friends, to be grateful, uh, even in a personal health uh, side of things. Be a grateful person, and then spread praise, as Daniel does here. Lead others to worship. Lead others to give him praise. 
as I mentioned, I think we're, in a, we're approaching a real season of outreach uh, as a church family. Uh, this Christmas is on a Sunday, and I think it's a great opportunity to invite friends and neighbors and co-workers to say, hey, would you like to go to church for Christmas? Come on, Christmas, on the 24th of December and come join a church and come and worship and come and see what Christians do. Friends, there's no one like Jesus. It's worthy of praise. He didn't come to create a religion. He came to restore us in relationship to our God. We praise Him. Serve God. Give Him the glory. Serve Him with changes, whatever those life changes are going on in your life. Serve Him when there's opposition. Serve Him publicly and preeminently in the hard times and the good times and give Him the glory. We, like Daniel, are servants of God. We serve the true King who saves, who delivers, who rescues. Pray with me. Oh, gracious Father, thank you for the reminder. Thank you for the reminder from the scriptures of a calling to serve you faithfully. Thank you for the way that you rescue, Lord. Not always from temporary trials and difficulties, because our hope is not in this world. And eventually, Daniel and his three friends passed away. In fact, we hear no mention of his three friends here in the second part of Daniel because their hope wasn't in this world alone either. Father, sometimes you demonstrate to us, you personify your salvation to us as we see right here in the lion's den. But our hope, Lord, is in a Savior who rescues us from our sin, who rescues us for eternal life with you. Father, thank you so much for our church family. Help us as we seek to encourage one another to be servants of God, to be faithful in the good times and the bad, the ups and the downs, the mundane and the exciting times, to serve you, Lord, in the green pastures and the still waters where you restore our souls, and to serve you, Lord, even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, because we recognize that you are with us, that we serve the great true lion, the lion of Judah, and we follow him, Lord, into eternal life. Thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.